This week on the 624, we talk about unplanned the movie, my popcorn dust allergy, and the real global flood. Let's get started. Welcome to the 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries, taking a stand on God's word and trusting it from the very first verse. Join us as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. Welcome to the 624. My name is Dave Napier. I am the host of the podcast, founder of Central Texas Creation Ministries and the Central Texas Creation Conference. I am excited that you're here with us on the 624 today, where even the name tells you that I believe God created in six literal 24-hour days. Now, I hope you guys had a great weekend. I had an awesome weekend. You know that I did because you know that I was speaking at Calvary Austin this Sunday. I got to speak on astronomy, which of course is one of my favorite topics because it may be a young science, but every time we learn more about it, it confounds evolutionary thinking and it lines up perfectly with biblical creation. And uh, not only that, I got to kind of team up again with Dan and Angela Lewiza. Most of you guys know that I went to Scotland uh, last year in 2018 and did a creation conference. And this is the amazing couple that planted a church in Sterling, Calvary Fellowship uh, in Sterling, and they actually hosted the Creation Conference. They were a wonderful host. They're a wonderful couple, and I got to meet up with them and catch up and talk about Scotland and talk about the my friends back in Scotland now. And uh, just, I love that family, love that church. Uh, can't say enough good things about it. So I had a great weekend. I hope you did too, though. Uh, but before we get into the main topic of the real global flood, because everybody knows about the 40 days and 40 nights of rain, but we don't really know about the real global flood that the Bible talks about. We're going to talk about that, but before we do that, I want to talk about a movie. I want to get serious for a second about Unplanned the Movie. This is a movie that is the real-life story of Abby Johnson, who was a former, uh, actually is, a former director of Planned Parenthood. Uh, When she was in college, she got pulled into it, wound up working for them, had a couple of abortions, wound up working for them, wound up getting to director level and running a clinic herself. And she saw something eight years into her career with Planned Parenthood. She saw something that changed her forever. This movie uh, is going to change your life. It's going to change your outlook. It's going to change the way you see abortion. Even if you if you didn't like abortion before, if you've always been pro-life, this will change you. Uh, i tell you what, I realized in that movie that I have an allergy to popcorn dust because my eyes were watering quite a bit during that film. And so I'm sure that must have been what it was, an allergy to the popcorn dust. It was an awesome movie, though. It is one of those movies that you go, ah, it's a Christian film, and uh, I don't know if it's going to be that good. Uh, a lot of times, Christian entertainment. Now, look, I was a theater major. I was a, you know, I did film and TV and, and theater and all this kind of stuff in college. And so you think about Christian entertainment, you kind of go, uh, you know, God's Not Dead was probably, you know, some of the best production value in a Christian film. And there's been others too, don't get me wrong. But I was a little worried about this one, but this one was excellent. Now, this one was done by PureFlix. If you do not have a subscription to PureFlix, I want to encourage you to get a subscription to PureFlix. 
Uh, this is David A.R. White. He's the co-founder of PureFlix. He is a Christian actor, author, producer, uh, all this kind of stuff. And he is the co-founder of Netflix, which is basically a Christian or family-friendly and faith-friendly alternative to Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, things like that. And I want to encourage you to get a membership. Now, look, I, I don't I don't get anything if you go get a membership. That's a good idea, though. I should get with David A.R. White. I'm sure he would take my call. Hey, David, if you're listening, uh, you know, just call me. <laughs> we'll work something out. No, I don't get anything if you get a subscription to PureFlix except the satisfaction of knowing that you're going to get faith-friendly entertainment, stuff that you don't mind watching, that you don't have to start and halfway through go, why am I watching this? This is this is the kind of thing that happens when you're on Hulu and Prime Video and, and Netflix. You get halfway through a show or even five minutes into a show and you realize this was a huge mistake. I, I You got to stop it, you know? and find something else. So I want to encourage you to get Pure Flicks. Uh, check out David R. White's stuff. He does a lot of comedy. He's done some more serious stuff. But he actually, they actually produced this movie, and it was done very well. Very high quality, uh, very high production value. So I want to encourage you to see this film. And I want to talk just for a second about abortion. I'll probably do a full podcast one at one point, an episode on this topic. But I wanted to just mention, a lot of people say that the question is, when is it a baby? They say, oh, well, it, this is a fetus, you know, which is funny because fetus is Latin for baby. They don't want to call it a baby, so they call it a fetus, but they're really still calling it a baby. Uh, but that's what they want to do because they don't want to put in the mother's mind that this is a real baby that's going to feel pain, that has little hands and little legs and arms and feet. And so the question is always, well, uh, when does it become a baby? Oh, well, no, it's just a clump of cells over there, you know, in the womb in the very beginning. And so it's not a baby yet. Or sometimes people say it's not a baby until it comes out of the womb, for heaven's sakes. Uh, this is silly. But the real question I would have to say is, when does it really become a unique, important individual. When does this baby become a unique, important individual? And here's what, what I'll tell you. Biologically, they are a unique individual, a unique, important individual at the moment of conception. Because at the moment of, at the moment of conception, you have taken the father's DNA and the mother's DNA, you get one set of each, and they combine to create a unique set of DNA that no one else has. And so from the moment of conception, you are a unique, important individual. But that's not even the best part. The best part is, when are you an important person to God? When does God say that you're an important person? Let's take a look at that, because the truth is, God says that he knew you, that he consecrated you, and he gave you purpose before you were ever conceived. Check this out. If you go to Psalm 138, verse 16. Now look, one, excuse me, 139, verse 16. If you go to verse, uh, Psalm 139, it it's talking about, uh, you knew me in the womb, you knit me together, all this kind of stuff. Verse 16 says it all. It says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are they all were written, the days fashioned for me, 
when as yet there were none of them. Let me read it again. I can't talk right now. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. See, it says that God knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. It was prior to any of of your days beginning, he knew you. God knows these children before they were ever conceived. In Ephesians 1.4, it says this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. What the Bible tells us is that God chose us prior to the foundations of the world. This goes back beyond conception. This is back before the world was created. God knew us and he chose us. Let's keep going because in Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So here God's telling Jeremiah that before he was ever born, not only did he know him, not only did he consecrate him, he gave him a purpose on earth. He said, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God gives us purpose. Paul says in Galatians 1.15, But when it pleased God, now this is the NKJV, because I always read that. It says a little bit better in a different different version, but I didn't uh, write that down. But this one says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. So he's saying that God separated him out even in his mother's womb. Before he was ever born, God set him apart. He had called him through his grace. So before you were born, before you were conceived, before the foundation of the world, God knew us. He consecrated us. He called us and he gives us purpose. So when are we important to God? There is not a time that we have not been important to God. And so that's why I want to encourage you, go see this movie, Unplanned. It is an amazing movie, and I pray, I pray for this, and I want to ask you to join me in prayer that this movie would change lives, that it would save lives, the lives of children, and that it would change the lives of mothers and fathers and potential mothers and fathers as they go through life. So please go see Unplanned the Movie. You can see it in theaters all over the nation. It probably isn't going to last much longer in the theaters, so be sure and see it this week if you can. But for now, let's get to our main topic. All right, well, today we are talking about the real global flood. I want to talk about the real global flood because most of us grew up with the stories of Noah's flood and, uh, you know, the ark and this little bitty bathtub ark with the animals sticking out the side because they're all stuffed in there. And uh, we we hear about the 40 days and uh, 40 days of rain and uh, 40 nights of rain. And and we never really get a good idea of what the real global flood was. And this is one of the problems that we have is we need people to understand that Noah's Ark was massive. 
that the flood was a year-long cataclysmic event that would change the face of the earth forever. But instead, we give people Bible stories. Uh, And this is something we have uh, done to ourselves over the years because we have several generations now that have grown up hearing Bible stories. And the problem is they go come to church and they hear the good Bible stories that make us good moral people. But then when they go to school, their school teachers tell them, hey, that's that's a good story. You go be a good moral person at church. But here we have real science. Here we have real life. And then we wonder why people don't believe the Bible. They don't trust God's word. And this is why we've grown up telling people, hey, kids, today we're going to be telling the story of Uh, Noah's Ark. Today we're learning the story of David and Goliath. These are stories. These are not stories. These are historical events. And so when I teach, even when I was teaching like junior high and and, uh, in in the church and things like this, I try to, normally I would do it when we would first um, introduce a topic or introduce uh, a series where, hey, Jesus goes to Capernaum. So then what the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to show these kids where Capernaum was, and if it's or if it's a city that's now being excavated, and we're finding things out about that city, I'm going to show them the dig sites. Hey, this is where they're digging this stuff up. They're finding the instruments. They're finding the pottery. They're finding these things from this city, and so that these kids know that this is not Bible stories. These are real places, real people, and real events. And this is what I want to encourage all of us to do. Because it's so easy for us to do it. I was taught Bible stories. I've taught Bible stories before. And then I got convicted of it. And I want to encourage you to help your kids, whether it's your kids or whether it's the youth in your church, help them to understand that these are real places, real people, and real events. Help them by putting up pictures of the events, putting up pictures of the people, what they what people have depicted that they look like. Uh, you can go online and find these pictures. I just spoke on uh, biblical, uh, the biblical inerrancy. Talked, uh, I talked about uh, the archaeological, archaeological evidence. I cannot talk right now. <laughs> uh, I talked about the archaeological evidence. I talked about the prophetic evidence. I talked about the manuscript evidence. And so what did I do? I went and showed them. So what did I do? I went and showed them the manuscripts that we found, like the Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that. Actually, the scrolls that we have found, these are pictures of them. I went and found pictures of the coins that we found, the the statues that we found, things like this. These are actual things that tell us that the Bible is true, that people in the Bible uh, were really real, that they actually lived. And so go find these things and help your kids to understand that these are real places, real people, and real events. That's the, that's the thing that we've got to get out of, is telling people Bible stories. So that's a little tangent there. I apologize. But one of the things we want to do is talk about the real global flood. And when we do that, the first thing I want to do is talk about what actually happened. Because in the global flood, we normally hear about the 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And we go, oh, okay, it rained a lot. That's cool. But the truth is, it was a year-long cataclysmic event that would change the face of the earth forever. I want to go into just a few Bible verses. 
Okay, and then we'll we'll hit a couple of topics. I'll do a, a a full episode on this, I'm sure, at some point. I want to talk about a few Bible verses, and then I, I, we'll mention a couple of other things, but we'll probably do a full podcast on this or a series on the global flood. Uh, actually, we're going to be doing the conference this year in October. Actually, I think it's going to be at the end of September. We're going to be doing the conference on the Tower and the Flood, so the ba- Tower of Babel and the Global Flood, so you guys can be prepared for that conference. But let's talk just a little bit about the real Global Flood. If you look at Genesis 6, verse 13, uh, if again, you can pop open an app, you can open up your Bible, or you can just listen along. I am going to read from the NKJV, but it says here in Genesis 6, verse 13, it says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now notice that he doesn't doesn't say that he's going to destroy them off the face of the earth. He says he will destroy them with the earth. In other words, the earth will never look the same again. If we continue on into Genesis 7, verse 11, uh, in Genesis 7, 11, it says this, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. Now what does it mean, the fountains of the great deep burst forth? There's a lot of theories on this, but I'll tell you this, the words used in the the, uh, Hebrew, burst forth, are the same words that God uses when he says Moses parted the Red Sea. It means to pull open or rip open, uh, pull apart. And so it's the same word. So something was happening to the earth's crust right there. It was being ripped open, pulled apart, and something was shooting up out from underneath the crust. Now, there's a few different theories on this. CMI actually... uh, is more inclined to believe that it was probably uh, molten rock, magma. And so then it was hitting the seawater, which immediately turned into steam and would have shot it up into the air. And that steam would have eventually turned into rain. And so then you have you do have the fountains of the great deep bursting forth. It would have pushed the water and up over the continents as the earth pulled apart. And then it also would have shot steam up in the air so that it would have come down as water. That's Creation Ministries International. Ancients in Genesis believes that there probably was subterranean water underneath the Earth's crust. And I believe that. I believe both is probably true. You probably had both, to tell the truth. Uh, you would have had subterranean water that shot up, because we even have subterranean water now. We have water that's underneath the Earth's crust that is flowing, and then we pull it up out from under the, the crust. So I believe both was happening there. But it's the fountains of the great deep burst forth. You think about it. If you have the crust at a certain level and all this water starts to shoot up out from underneath the crust, what's going to happen to the crust? It's going to collapse down. Your your valleys are going to sink lower. And uh, in turn, it's going to make all your mountains seem taller, right? Uh, but we know that the earth's crust was moving because of Psalm 104. Let me read that to you. Psalm 104, verses 6 through 9 says this, You clothe the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. 
Then you set a firm boundary for the seas so they would never again cover the earth. Now, there's some old earthers that believe that Psalm 104 is talking about uh, creation, the creation event. And I disagree with that because of the last part of this verse. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas so they would never again cover the earth. Well, if this is talking about creation, the global flood is a big problem because the seas would have gone up over the continents. It would have broken that boundary that God had set. And so 104 has to be talking about the global flood, okay? Because now the firm boundaries are set for the seas so they'll never again cover the earth, okay? So here again, though, it says the mountains rose and the valleys sank to the levels you decreed. So we know that there was earth, earth movement. There was crust movement. Mountains were pushing together and going up, and valleys were sinking lower. And so, interesting thing, what would you be finding in a year-long cataclysmic event that would change the face of the earth forever? Well, with all that earth crust movement, did I say earth crust? With all that crust movement, you would have earthquakes. And as you rip crust open, you would, have, you would cause tsunamis and there would be volcanic activity. So earthquakes and tsunamis and volcanoes would be happening. And they would be happening in domino effects would be my guess because one would cause the other. It would set off a chain of events. And so throughout the year, you're going to have these types of events. Now, that kind of begs the question, though, uh, what about Noah's Ark and how long was was the flood. Now, I won't go into it because, again, I'll do a, a more in-depth podcast on this as we go along. But the length of the flood was about a year. Because you have to remember, uh, you know, God warns them, hey, in seven days we're going to do this. And then it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. The waters prevail, prevail for 150 days. But they don't just disappear. They start to recede. And this is where we believe we get a lot of the plain nation that we see. So there are areas where it looks like something has just cut the top of a mountain clean straight off. Uh, we call it plain nation. And we believe this is where, where it would have happened, right there when the water started receding. If you have hundreds of gallons of water rushing down across a plain, it would have just cut it clean. So... Uh, how long, how long was the flood? It was about a year because your water is still receding. You think about it, uh, as you go through Genesis, your water's still receding. And then finally, the, the ark rests on Mount Ararat. Okay, And then after the water goes down even more, they start to look out and they send out a raven. The raven comes back, so there's no place for them to stay. Then he sends out a dove. The dove comes back. There's no place for him to stay. And so each time he's waiting, some, somewhere between seven days and 40 days, uh, depending on which one, you're which one you're talking about, the raven, the dove, all this sort of stuff. So he lets go the dove. The dove comes back. There's no place to, to land. Uh, he lets the dove go again, and he comes back, but he does have an olive branch in its mouth. And so there still wasn't a good place for them to stay, but it does show that there was vegetation that was still there that the, the water had receded enough that there was some vegetation showing. And so then they wait a little bit longer. They send the dove off. The dove doesn't come back. They still wait a little bit longer, and then they come off the ark. All told, if you go through there and do the math, if you're one of those people, you go through and do the math, it's going to be right at about a year. So 
It's a year-long cataclysmic event that changed the face of the earth forever. And you think about it, we talk about this little bathtub ark. What did the ark actually look like? If you've actually read read about the ark, you can read this. It actually gives the measurements. God gives Noah the measurements it's supposed to be. He says, and this is how you shall make it. This is in Genesis 6.15. Genesis chapter 6, verse 15 says, God gave Noah the dimensions for the ark in cubits. I'm sorry, that's not the verse. <laughs> sorry about that. I started a little too soon there. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 15 says, And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Okay, now a cubit is a little bit odd to us, but let me translate that. Uh, the length of the ark was about a football field and a half long. Okay, that's how long it was. You could fly space shuttles in and out of this thing. It was that long. Okay, maybe not fly them in and out, but you could sit them in there. Uh, a football field and a half long. It was like 80 feet tall, uh, excuse me, 80 feet wide, 50 feet tall. This thing was massive. It had the cargo space of over 500 railroad cars. Okay, I don't know if you've ever sat in front of a train that's going by you. And it, this thing has like 50 cars to 100 cars, and your eyes are glazed over. It's just so many. You're sitting there thinking, please stop at some point. Okay? Imagine 500 of those things. It's, I think it's something like 522 or something like that is the actual number. But it's over 500 railroad cars worth of cargo space. And people wonder, I wonder if all the animals could fit on the ark. Absolutely, yes, they could. And we'll go into that at a later date, talking about Noah's Ark. We'll do a special episode just on Noah's Ark. But I want you to guys to get an understanding that the global flood we've been taught when we were kids is not the global flood in the Bible. It is not just the 40 days and 40 nights of rain. It's not a little bathtub ark with the animals sticking out because they're all stuffed in there. It's actually a massive ark, football field and a half, long three decks it was massive and it was in a huge storm where water was shooting up from under the crust water was coming down from the skies there was earthquakes there was tsunamis there was volcanic activity this is not something you want to live through this is the real global flood Well, we are wrapping it up here on the 624. I tell you what, I get riled up. I got riled up there on those two topics. Uh, you know, I'm just passionate about them because I want people to know the truth. I want you to be able to trust God's word from the very first verse. Now, before I sign off, I want to make sure you remember to go see Unplanned the movie. Be sure you see the movie this week. Uh, there's no guarantee it'll be here next week. And you want to support this venture with Pure Flicks and Abby Johnson. Uh, make sure you check out Abby Johnson. You can find her talks on YouTube. And then I, I believe she has a website and a ministry. And then there were none. Uh, be sure and check those out. Be, sh be sure and support her. And then also, last but not least, you've got Noah the Musical coming up this week, uh, the 9th, 11th, and 13th. So be sure you go check it out, fathomevents.com, and you will find tickets for it. I hope to see you there. Uh, but other than that, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you'll join us for the next one. Hey, be sure and comment whatever platform you're on. 
Let people know what you think of this. Review us. Let us know what we do, what you like, what you don't like. Let us know what you like to hear in the future, that sort of thing. And of course, please subscribe so that you're notified when we drop our next podcast, which is, of course, next week. But until then, I pray that God blesses you with knowledge to know him and courage to share him. Thank you for listening to The 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries. Join us again next time as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. To learn more, visit our website at www.centraltexascreation.com.